0: the tomb. So Matthew 27, beginning verse 62, please stand together with me out of honor to God and his word as I read. Now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together to Pilate saying, sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day. Lest the disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He's risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're looking at the watch tonight. The watch, these guards that were to watch the tomb, they were to make sure that it was secure. Now, I don't have any stories about Roman guards and so on, but I know about some security guards. There were three security guards. They were eating their lunch together. And the first one opened his lunchbox. He said, Bologna again. If I get another bologna sandwich, I'm going to kill myself. Well, the second one opened his lunchbox and said, Peanut butter and jelly again. If I get another peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I'm going to kill myself. Well, the third one opened his lunchbox and he said, Ham again. If I get another ham sandwich, I'm going to kill myself. Well, the next day, they were eating lunch together again. The first guard got bologna. He killed himself. The second guard got peanut butter and jelly. He killed himself. The third guard got Ham and he killed himself. They had a combined funeral service. And at the combined funeral service, the widows of the three security guards were talking to each other. The widow of the first guard said, if only I had known he didn't want baloney, I wouldn't have packed it. The widow of the second guard said, if only I had known he didn't want Peter and jelly, I wouldn't have packed it. The widow of the third said, don't look at me. He made his own lunch. Okay, I still want my 20 centavos piece. All right, here we go. So let's look today at the watch. The watch. First of all, let's look at the worry. The worry. Jesus said he would rise again from the dead. He didn't just say it once. He said it repeatedly that he would rise again from the dead. Well, the Jewish believers, excuse me, the Jewish leaders did not believe him. The Jewish religious leaders, they did not believe him. In fact, I know they didn't believe him because notice what they call him in verse 63. They call him a deceiver. They said, sir, we remember that that deceiver said, uh, while he was still alive, after three days I'll rise again. So the Jewish leaders didn't believe him. They called him a deceiver. Why was he a deceiver in their mind? Well, he claimed to be the Messiah. They said, no, he's not. He claimed to be the Son of God. They said, no, he's not. He claimed to be able to rise from the dead. They said, no, he didn't. And so they called him a deceiver. They did not believe that Jesus said he would rise from the dead. But Jesus did say he would rise from the dead. And so they were worried about that. And we'll see why in just a minute. But let's not be too hard on these Jewish religious leaders for not believing uh, that Jesus would rise from the dead because nobody believed Jesus would rise from the dead. Nobody believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Not even His disciples, the ones with whom He spent three years living together, eating together, doing life together. They saw all of His miracles. and so They didn't believe it. You know how I know? Because Jesus said He would rise again from the dead on the third day, which is what we call Easter. And the Bible says the disciples were not at the tomb waiting for Jesus to come out. Now, if they really believed that He was going to rise from the dead, don't you think they'd have been sitting there waiting? I would have. I'd have been in my. I would have had a lounge chair. I'd been sitting there uh, drinking a soda and waiting for Jesus to come out of the tomb. They didn't believe. You say, well, the women believed. We always talk about the women came to the came to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. They believed. No, the women came on Easter Sunday morning not to see the risen Savior, but to embalm His dead body. In fact, Mark makes that point in Mark 16 and verse 1. It says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices, they might come and anoint him. They weren't coming to see the resurrected Savior. So these Jewish religious leaders, they didn't believe Jesus was going to rise from the dead. The disciples didn't believe Jesus was going to rise from the dead. The women didn't believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. But here's what the religious leaders were worried about. They said, Jesus said he's going to rise from the dead. And His disciples are going to come at night and steal His body. And then they're going to spread this lie that Jesus rose from the dead. And notice what they say about it. This will be worse than having a lie. Again, notice verse 64, the last phrase there. They'll say He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. They said, you know, it's bad enough that we had Jesus walking around here, teaching and doing miracles and so on. But if they start believing that he rose from the dead, that's going to be even worse than having him here alive. You see, these Jewish leaders realize the power of the resurrection story. They realize the power of the resurrection story. Why? Well, first of all, when Jesus resurrected Lazarus, many people came to believe in Jesus when he did that. Uh, John talks about that in John eleven forty five. Now Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, and look what it says. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen all the things which Jesus did believed on him. And so these religious leaders were very, very familiar with the fact that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that caused a lot of people to believe. Now they're really worried if people think that Jesus himself rose from the dead because people already thought maybe he was the Messiah. They already thought that maybe he was somebody special from God. Now if all of a sudden he dies and rises from the dead, they said it's going to be even worse than having him alive. And so they were worried. And for good reason. You know why? Because Christianity stands and falls on the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you remember nothing else I say today, remember this, that Christianity stands and falls on the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul says, we are among all people the most miserable lot there's ever been. He writes that in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. In other words, if your faith in Christ is just for this life and there's nothing else just for this life, he said, we are of all men most miserable. If there is no resurrection... We are the most miserable lot there's ever been. I mean, think about it. If there is no resurrection, Jesus' teachings, Jesus' miracles, even Jesus' death, they mean nothing. Without the resurrection, they mean nothing. Christianity stands and falls on the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning in verse 14, Paul is talking about this. He says, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you are yet in your sins, then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And then he ends with, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So without the resurrection, we have no message. Because either Jesus lied about his resurrection, or he was tragically mistaken about his resurrection. And so all we're doing when we say Jesus rose from the dead, is we're just propagating Jesus' lie or Jesus' mistake. And so without the resurrection, we have no message Without the resurrection, we have no hope. You know, we say that Jesus defeated death, Satan, and hell. Guess what? If He didn't rise from the dead, He didn't defeat death. He didn't defeat Satan. He didn't defeat hell. Not only that, we have no hope because we're still in our sins. Not only that, we have no hope because we can't go to heaven when we die. We can't go to heaven when we die. Not only that, but Paul says in verse 18, our dead loved ones are gone forever. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, there is no eternal life. And if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, He's not coming back one day. You see, without the resurrection, we have no message. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. Without the resurrection, we have no Savior. We have no Savior. He is no Savior whose salvation does not extend beyond the grave. A Savior for this life only is no Savior at all. If you say, well, Jesus is my Savior, He's just going to help me get through this life, and that's all He's good for. That's no Savior. And so without the resurrection, we are most miserable because His teachings, His miracles, His death, they mean nothing without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have no message, we have no hope, we have no Savior. So the Jewish religious leaders, they were worried. And here was their worry. We know Jesus is dead. We saw him die on the cross. But we're worried his disciples are going to come at night, steal his body. And then they're going to spread this lie that he's risen from the dead. And that's going to be worse than having him here alive. So that was the worry. So secondly, let's look at the want. What did they want? Why did they go to Pilate? Well, they went to Pilate. They said, make the tomb secure for three days. Look at verse 64, command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day. And so here's what they wanted, make the tomb secure for three days. That way the disciples will be unable to steal his body. As I mentioned to the children though, how embarrassing would that be if you had to guard a tomb that's got a dead guy in it? Like you go home from work, you know, you worked your shift and you go home, your wife said, hey, what'd you do today? Well, I was on guard duty. Oh, yeah, what were you guarding? Were you guarding a pile of gold? Were you guarding a bank or something? Were you guarding somebody important? I was guarding a dead guy. Wanted to make sure he didn't get up. How embarrassing would that be? But they go to Pilate and say, here's what we want. We want you to make the tomb secure for three days. Well, do you realize the the guards actually told this lie anyway? The disciples came And stole Jesus. The guards told the story anyway. It's in the next chapter. Look here, chapter 28, beginning in verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came to the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money to the soldiers, saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him while we slept. So what they were worried about Was that the disciples would come and steal the body and then say, hey, he rose from the dead. And then this is the very lie the soldiers told. Notice they were instructed to lie. When you look at the text here, they were instructed to lie. Secondly, they were paid to lie. And do you realize that they helped propagate the lie? Look in chapter 28 and verse 15. It says, So they took the money and did as they were told. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So when Matthew wrote his gospel, he said they're still spreading this lie. They're still saying disciples came at night, stole the body while we were asleep, and then they lied and said he rose from the dead. I think we all know the disciples weren't stealing on Easter Sunday morning. They were sleeping. They weren't stealing. They were sleeping. Why? Why? Jesus was dead as far as they knew. They were defeated. I mean, they followed this man for three years and they really believed and then all of a sudden he died on the cross. He's dead. They're defeated. As far as they knew, there was no promised resurrection. They weren't out trying to steal a body. They were sleeping and they were crushed. But you know who disagreed with them? The angel from Easter morning. The angel disagreed with them. Notice what the angel says. In Matthew 28 beginning in verse 6. He is not here for He is risen. As He said, come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell His disciples He's risen from the dead. And behold, He goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see Him. Lo, I have told you. So the disciples weren't stealing. They were sleeping. Jesus was dead. They were defeated. There was no promised resurrection. The angel says, no, 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 no. Jesus is risen just like He said. Not only that, the angel says, come see the empty tomb. And then the angel says, go tell his disciples and you will see him. By the way, this angelic message is the same message we have the privilege to share still today. That Jesus died, yes, but he's risen from the dead. And he's alive forevermore. And so we are to take that message. Yes, Jesus died to pay for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. We are to take that and go tell others. What did the angel say? What did the angel say? Go tell his disciples. Go tell others. Same message. Jesus died, but he's risen from the dead. Go tell others and we will see him. The angel says, you're going to see him. When you go to Galilee, you're going to see him. Well, we can tell folks too. We will see Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12, we'll see him face to face. We're going to see Jesus face to face. And not only will we see him face to face, we will see him face to face forever. Forever. So the disciples weren't out stealing. They were sleeping. They were defeated. Nobody rose from the dead as far as they knew. The angel disagrees. The angel says, Jesus is risen. Come look at the empty tomb. Go tell others, you will see him. And so we see the worry. The religious leaders, they were worried. Hey, they're going to say Jesus rose from the dead. And that's going to be worse than having him alive. And so we see their want. They go to Pilate and say, here's what we want. Put guards in front of that tomb so nobody gets in and nobody gets out. So let's look thirdly at the watch. The watch. Pilate approved a watch. And they were to make the tomb as secure as possible. Look in verse 65. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. And so Pilate approves this watch. And they were to make the tomb as secure as possible. Now, that often brings up the question, uh, was this watch Jewish or was the watch Roman? I know I'm showing you a picture of Roman guards. But was the watch Jewish or Roman? Because all Pilate says here in verse 65 is, you have a watch. So is he saying to the Jews who had temple guards, you already have a watch. you got your own guards. Use them. Or Pilate had Roman guards. Is he saying, you can have a watch? So all Pilate says here is, you have a watch. Is he saying, you Jews already have a watch? Or is he saying, yeah, you can have a watch. I'll give you some Roman guards. It doesn't matter. Why? Because both guards, the Jewish temple guards as well as the Roman guards, reported to Pilate. So it didn't matter who was guarding the tomb. They all reported to Pilate. So it says that Pilate approved a watch. And then it says that they sealed the stone. They sealed the stone. What does that mean? Well, what they would do when not only tombs but tombs as well, once they put the stone in place, they would take a glob of clay and they would put the clay between the, between the stone that was the doorway and the tomb. And then they'd put a piece of rope in it. And that way, if that door moved, for any reason, the, the, the clay would show that had it been broken, the seal had been broken. Breaking the seal broke Roman law. And breaking the seal would be considered grave robbing. Very punishable offense to rob a grave. But you and I, we know the rest of the story, right? All the security in the world couldn't stop Jesus. It Didn't matter how many guards, didn't matter how many seals, it didn't matter what they did, no amount of security in the world could stop Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate grave robber. He not only robbed the grave, he robbed death itself. And when that happened, what did the watch do? I already told the children. Those guards that were supposed to make sure that nobody got in, nobody got out, what did they do? They fainted at the resurrection. Here's how Matthew tells us in 28, beginning in verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from its door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The watch fainted at the resurrection. Was it maybe what they saw? They saw the angel. Was it maybe what they felt? The earthquake? Was it maybe what they heard? Matthew doesn't say what they heard, but there must have been noise uh, associated with the angel, associated with the earthquake. Whatever it was, the whole experience was too much for them to handle. They began to shake, and then they pass out. It was too much for them to handle. And so, you know, we often criticize the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day, but we've got to agree that they were right after all. The resurrection is a very powerful story. That's what they were worried about, right? People are going to say there's been a resurrection. That's what they're worried about. Well, they were right. The resurrection story is very, very powerful. I want you to know, first of all, that the resurrection story is a factual story. It's not just something we do here on Easter that we talk about. It is a factual story. Jesus did rise from the dead and Jesus is alive forevermore. It's a factual story. Secondly, the resurrection is an essential story. It's essential. You hear me every week talk about the gospel, how Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, how he was buried for our sins, and I never forget, and how he rose again the third day, right? That's what the gospel is. The gospel is defined for us in First Corinthians 15, the first four verses there, which says Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose again from the dead. It has an essential story. We must believe the gospel to be saved, and the gospel includes the resurrection, and if you don't include the resurrection, as we already talked about, you got nothing. And so it's a factual story. It's an essential story. And thirdly, I want you to know it's a universal story. It's a universal story. It's a story that is to be shared with everybody. Now, we're probably already familiar with the Great Commission as given in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 where Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I like Mark's version of the Great Commission better in light of what I'm talking about today. Now, you don't have to pick and choose. Well, did, did Jesus say what Matthew said or did Jesus say what Mark said? Well, he said what they both said. But they recorded different things that were said. So Matthew says, go into all the world and teach. But in light of the fact that the gospel is a universal story and the resurrection is a universal story, let's look at Mark's great commission, Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a universal story. The resurrection is a universal story. It is to be shared with everybody, everybody. And so the Jewish leaders were right after all. The resurrection is a very powerful story. But it's not just a story. It is factual. It is essential. And it is universal. And so today, as we looked at the watch, we see, first of all, the worry. The Jewish religious leaders, they were worried. Why? Why? Because they're going to say Jesus rose from the dead. They're going to come steal his body and then they're going to spread this lie around. Hey, Jesus rose from the dead. We're really worried about that. It's going to be worse than having him here alive, they said. And so they go to Pilate and he said, here's what we want. We're worried. Here's what we want. We want you to put a guard in front of the tomb. We want to make sure nobody gets in. We want to make sure nobody gets out. Put a guard in front of the tomb. And then... We see the watch. Pilate says, you have a watch. Either use your Jewish guards or use the Roman guards, whichever. You got a watch. You got it. You got it. And they sealed the stone. Nobody was getting in. Nobody was getting out. Guess what? Jesus got out. He rose from the dead. He's alive forevermore. It's a powerful story. It's factual. It is essential. It is universal. And even though it's a factual story and it's an essential story and it's a universal story, I don't know if it's your story. Is the resurrection part of your story? Do you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead? Because if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven, you want to be forgiven, you need to believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins, that Jesus was buried for your sins. But you also need to believe Jesus rose again from the dead. That's how it becomes part of your story. It's already factual. It's already essential. It's already universal. Is it your story? It can be by grace through faith, right here, right now. Believe that Jesus died for you. Believe that Jesus was buried for you. Believe that Jesus rose from the dead for you. And that way, it's not only factual, essential, and universal. It becomes your story. But what about you, Christian? You already believe. You believe For years and years and years. Remember, this is a universal story. Are you sharing it with others? Are you telling others? It's not meant to be just kept inside these four walls. It's not just to be kept inside your own heart and mind. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And of course, the third part of the gospel is, Jesus rose again from the dead. And so if you've never made the resurrection part of your story, may today be the day, now be the time, receive Christ as your Savior, believe He died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for you. He will wipe your sins away. He will grant you eternal life. And Christian, it's already part of your story. Now it's time to share it so it can become part of somebody else's story that Jesus is alive forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your son to die and rise again. Thank you that he is alive forever. And because of that, we will live forever. We are forgiven. We can go to heaven. Our dead loved ones are not lost forever. Lord, all those things that without the resurrection are so bad, with the resurrection, they're all so good. And so we give you thanks and praise for that. There may be somebody here in this room. There may be somebody watching online who needs to make the resurrection part of their own story to receive Christ as savior give them grace and faith to believe right now and for those of us who do believe may we share this universal message with a lost world who desperately needs it and we thank you in Jesus name amen we're going to sing a